Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, good evening, Undying Light listeners, and welcome to another new episode. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and uh, as always, we are continuing our journey through Scripture. Uh, we've really kind of made that to be the montage of the show, taking particular books from the Bible, walking through them verse by verse, and explaining what is going on in hopes that you, as the listener, have a better grasp and a better understanding of the text that you are dealing with. Uh, we've spent a considerable amount of time the last couple of years in the Old Testament, we've done a little bit of New Testament work, but now we're exclusively going through Matthew and probably going to be in Matthew for quite a long time. We're only in chapter seven and uh, we probably have two more weeks in seven this week and next week and then uh, obviously move on to eight. But we will certainly take our time as we have gone through, ex- uh, especially the Sermon on the Mount series, uh, just really truncating each of these individual teaching points um and so i have no no you know desire to speed through this i have no desire to um, rush it by any means i want to take our time and after we do this we might look at some of the letters from the apostles after we do matthew and then we might come back to a gospel and we might alternate and then we might go back to the old testament and do a series like on the history of israel or we'll do something on maybe the torah uh, we'll certainly, uh, we've got kind of just really any route we can take. There is no set concrete thing that we are pushing forward. We're just looking at scripture and providing a variety of manners to which one can listen. So uh, that is kind of the precursor, if you would. It's kind of what I've got envisioned um, for who knows how long. And I'm very excited for it. So now that I'm uh, of done with school. I've turned in my last assignment. I'm actually just waiting for my professor to uh, send me a note and we schedule one last call and we go over my last few assignments and then uh, I'm given the green light to graduate. So I'm hoping within the next week or two that will happen as uh, has been kind of the plan to be done before the um, end of March. Uh, Today's the last day of February, so it's the 28th. 
And I was hoping to have all of that done by the end of February, but it looks like it's going to be pushed for a little bit longer, which is not a big deal. But uh, I've got all the work done, turned in, and now I have been focusing on other projects. And uh, one of those is to put down my heart and soul into writing a book on reading the Bible as it's been kind of the precursor to this show. And I want to uh, work through... Uh, taking the text and explaining it and boiling it down so that you as the reader can turn back to your Bible and read these stories and these passages and have better clarity. Now, this isn't a commentary. Uh, it's not a, a logical explanation of the text as most Reformed people like to look at. It is not a manner of, you know, uh, exegeting the Scripture and then just giving its, you know, humanist or philosophical explanation. It is not that approach. The approach to this will be explaining the text in the law gospel distinction and helping people read the Bible in that manner. That is what we as Lutherans uh, do when we read the Bible. Is this a law? Is this a command? How do we decipher between the two, especially as we've gone through this series on the Beatitudes? How do we boil this down and make this, you know, chewable for for people. And so that's my vision with the book. It is, like I said, not a commentary. It will not do a, you know, an in-depth connecting of historical pieces and all that stuff, but there will be uh, some commentaries in, in it that I will write. There will be some typology notes that I draw out. There will be some connecting elements to it, but it's to enhance the reader and encourage them to take this, you know, skill set and apply it to the rest of scripture. And that is, what I'm hoping to do with this book. And so I've got the intro chapter done. I'm working on chapter one right now and I've got it mapped out and I'm just kind of slowly putting the words on paper and taking my time with it. And uh, my patrons have full access to that so they can see it as it's coming along and they can provide feedback and ask questions and things like that. So that is, you know, a perk to being a patron on Undying Light. You get access to all that stuff. Uh, I really just, I don't do a whole lot on social media at the moment. I've been uh, posting just very sporadically and very randomly. I have put more effort into my other projects, finishing school for one, uh, working with the church, setting this podcast, um, you know, writing these books and all that sort. So I have not been doing like the traditional posts where I was doing five, six, seven posts a day for, for months and months and even years. Now it's like one, maybe every three to five days, um, and and it's been nice. I you know I don't miss social media that much, so I've been able to read more books this year, and uh, I've been able to enjoy the the fruit of that, and so I'm very um, pleased with it. So, but there will be more uh, exclusive things come down the pipeline for Undying Light patrons and supporters of the show. So stay tuned for that. But uh, if you want to get ahead of the curve, you can always join us on Patreon. And for a dollar a month, you can support the show and keep us uh, around and uh, help and hope that we continue to deliver content and continue to um, have you know that, uh, that's, that show for you. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, listen to it on Friday that the day the show releases. I know a lot of people come back and listen to it two, three, four weeks later. Um, and that's perfectly great too. You know, the show has got uh, almost 300 episodes out there. So it's a lot to handle. 
you know, when you produce a 35 minute show every week, it becomes uh, quite a bit of content quickly if you do not stay into a rhythm. And then I know exactly how that is because, you know, working from home, I don't have the, the drive times that I used to where I could just pop on a podcast and get through a show a day or crank through a couple shows in a day. I don't have that leisure anymore. So I have to, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I have to etch time into my day and sit and listen to it. And I, you know, as much as I like to, I will listen to a few of them here and there. Uh, but I just, I've got so many more projects on my table than to sit and listen to podcasts. So I get it. You know, if, you, if you're a commuter, that's probably the best thing to do. If you have to sit at work and you need to listen to something, I, I totally get it. But uh, when you work from home, it's completely different, you know, because my work schedule is uh, not concrete. Like I might do work on Monday and Tuesday and not nothing much on Wednesday and then have Thursday as a family day and Friday's back to the grind. Saturday's a little bit of work, a little bit of family. And so it just really goes back and forth uh, each week. And, and I try to stay consistent, but I know that there's things that come up and arise, doctor's appointments and errands and wife working and things like that that throw me off. So it's just each week is a different manner. So normally my wife works on Monday, Tuesday. This week she's just working Tuesday and Thursday. So it just it's like you got to squeeze things in uh, in a different manner. So I totally get it. it. You know, if you listen to the show two, three, four weeks later, but uh, if you're a patron, then you get early access to the show and you can listen to that at your leisure as well. You don't have to wait for it to be dropped on a podcast. You can listen to it the, t- the moment I drop it, which is about a week usually in advance. Uh, I am now that things are settling down, even though we are in the season of Lint, I am going to get a couple episodes up here in the next couple of weeks and get ahead, if you would, of the pace. So that's really kind of the forecasting of the show. Um, like I said, it's just a manner of building this out and allowing the patrons to have access to all that as well as every other project that I do now that school's wrapped. Um, you know, I don't have those to turn over, but they've been previous to reading my final papers and, you know, providing insight and, um, asking questions and things like that. So, uh, you get access to all the work that I turn over to them, uh, videos and, and Q and A's and such like that. Uh, we're also on discord. So you get a discord channel access to undying light and uh, we have ongoing conversations there and bouncing things off of everybody's head so there's always that you know as a as a supporter of the show there's just there's a lot of different things that we i try to do and turn over for you so any hoots uh that's where we are i am going to get into the content of today's show um this is probably the longest opening i've had before getting into the content in quite a while and I really don't know if I said anything so <laughs> you know I've just I got logos pulled up and I've been kind of just rambling here so uh, let's look at verse 21 here in chapter 7 uh, this is going to probably take up our time today as this is a uh, well I'm sorry not 21 15 so we're gonna look at 15 through 20 today and then we might look at 21 on or uh we might break that into next week. So we got a tree and its fruit and then we got, I never knew you. So like I said, we we've got at least two more weeks could be potentially three. Uh, Just depends on how much I ramble in these shows. So verse 15 of chapter seven, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus they will recognize them by their fruit. All right. So I love to get into these verses here and especially the next section if we have time today to do it. Um, This is a kind of a portion of scripture that is often taken out and and, and mishandled or poorly handled. Uh, Obviously, it's the entire section here. These five verses are speaking against false teachers, false prophets. Uh, These prophets seek to lead you astray from the narrow way, as we remember in last week's passage. Uh, This also has a connecting note to Deuteronomy 18.22, which reads this, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word uh, that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So if the word that the prophet speaks does not come, it is not a word from God. This declares them to be false prophets, false teachers. They are ravenous wolves. And I will go out on the limb to say any preacher in the pulpit who makes a prediction saying that this is what God has shown them and or God has spoken to me or God has revealed or God has placed it on my heart, anything of that nature, and then it never comes to pass, is a, that declares them to be a false teacher. I don't care if it's Bill Johnson. I don't care if it's Todd Bentley or Todd White or any of those people in the charismatic Pentecostal, they are false teachers if they make one false prophecy. That's it. One false prophecy declares you to be a false teacher, a false prophet. And this is the problem with the church in the West right now, is we have these these wolves who are in the church making these audacious claims. And And I'll make a pretty clear example of it here. If you go back to the 2020 elections in the United States, how many evangelical preachers were standing on the stage declaring that Trump would be the winner by a landslide? Trump didn't win. So then they said, well, God is moving mightily and he's going to change the electoral college vote and Trump's going to win. And then that never happened. And then they moved to say, well, there's lawsuits coming and we are going to we are going to stand by Trump and we are going to witness uh, this the changing of the guard was some of the terms they used, and and then that never happened. And then on January 6th when they, or it was either 6th or 7th, I don't remember which day, that they ratify the votes and declare, you know, by this stage the winner. It goes through a series that's, you know, their preliminary winner in November, and then by December they have the electoral vote, and that solidifies the presidential nomination and then in January it becomes uh, they get you know legalized and put into office. And so in January there was a lot of prophecies, and this is 2021. There was a lot of prophecies coming out that Trump would just somehow become president instead of Biden. Well, that never happened. And then these people kept going on and on about how it's just a matter of months now. Trump is going to make make his way back into the office. And, oh, it's a secret government, and Trump is actually running the secret government. And nobody in the military is obeying Biden. It's all under Trump's orders. I mean, all of these people. And, and, and listen, 
it's not just preachers that do this. It is the far right evangelical uh, charismatic people who are not preachers by nature, but they're talking heads to the to the right. Listen, those on the left, you have the same problem as well. It's not a matter of left versus right or right versus left and who's right and who's wrong. You Both sides of the coin have numerous false accusations. You know, during Trump's entire presidential uh, term, it was Russia, Russia, Russia. And so these people on the left were spewing that, and they still spew it. In fact, the, the train accident in Ohio just a couple weeks ago has been blamed on Trump. That's what the left is doing. They're blaming Trump for that. Whereas the right continuously says Trump is going to get into office and he's going to you know, fix this country and blah, 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 blah. And now they're focusing on 2024 presidential election that Trump's going to win by a landslide and take back and fix the country, blah, 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 blah. That's the will of God. That's what they declare. Well, as we've made a note here in Scripture, anytime you make one false prophecy, you are a false teacher. One false prophecy. And and yet these people continuously have the support of their of their congregations and their followers because these people who sit under their teaching are ignorant to the scriptures and what they actually teach. And they will say, yeah, you know, uh, everybody makes a mistake. We're only human. Not the prophets. Not a single prophet in the Old Testament, nor the New, which we would declare to be John the Baptist, make a false prophecy. Not one. Any person who is in the major and minor prophets as a written book in the Bible, none of them made false prophecies. Not a single one. In fact, even going back to Moses, who was giving kind of the foresight, if you would, of what was to come for the nation of Israel, Moses never made any false prophecies. Moses had some other issues, but Moses never did that. And this is the problem that the church deals with is the ignorance of its people. And I, I witness it even as a pastor, not necessarily my congregation, but in, in kind of the collective whole, I'm witnessing people just have poor disregard for scripture and a poor understanding of scripture. And this is one of the fuels, if you would, for the books that I'm focusing on is to help educate people on the on how to read the Bible in a manner that is easy and can be done by any person. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to understand all of these $5 theological terms. You don't have to sit under lectures and that. This is a very simple and clean-cut way to read Scripture. Does this passage tell me a promise? Is this passage giving me a command? Is this passage giving me a law? Is this passage giving me the gospel? One of those four, commands and law or promises and gospel. That's it. That's all we can should read scripture in a manner of. Now, we can sit here and try to, you know, cherry pick out these verses and apply them in a, you know, in a, in a doctrinal manner. Uh, in fact, just the other day, I put a video up of Flame, who has been a guest on this show, and I uh, full heartedly support everything he says and does. Uh, he did a video and he was kind of, you know, if you would, I don't want to say mocking, but he was really kind of stirring the pot on how some of the evangelicals, especially in the Calvinist movement, go out and cherry pick doctrine to try and trump certain biblical pieces, like, for instance, baptismal regeneration. Now, listen, I've made it very clear on my page. I am a confessional Lutheran. I do not apologize for that. 
I don't care if you don't follow me. I don't care if you don't like it. I am a confessional Lutheran. I'm going to preach the Bible in the manner that which Luther brought back to the church, the manner that it should be. It's plain and simple meaning. And then you put and then you and then you preach it beyond that. You preach the gospel to the congregation. And I got a, I got some people who were really salty about that video. And and I think Flame did a fine job at, you know, basic question. Well, you know what? First Peter 321 says otherwise plain question, for, you know, Titus three, I think it was Titus three, five says something else. And then he goes on. And so these people were offended because in their eyes, we were cherry picking text, which is exactly what the Calvinists do. Because and, and I can admit that because I did it when I was a Calvinist. You cherry pick scripture to to formulate your doctrinal position. But with the Lutherans, if you actually read the Book of Concord, which we've gone through extensively on this show, uh, and in fact, Connor uh, does it on his show as well. And so if you go to uh, any of those you know contents or any of those pieces and you and you read, uh, anything from transcendent media and tr- uh, transcendent truth media from Connor, he's been a guest on this show. You will fully see the scope of the Book of Concord, and you will get the Augsburg Confession, the Apology to the Confession, the um, small bur- or small called articles, small large catechism, and uh, the f- uh, formula of Concord. So if you if you read through that, you will pay witness to how Lutherans articulate. Uh, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and other facets to the church. And in how we do that, it's all driven by Scripture. Scripture is our authority, even though people who like to you know, claim to be a confessional Baptist or a confessional Calvinist or something, they will use, the, the, their, they will use their confession to attack us, which is interesting, but they will use their confession to attack us and then they have the audacity to go on and say you know that we use our confession in a in a manner that usurps scripture and we are idolaters because we do that we we worship martin luther that is the biggest crock of crap i've ever heard excuse my french but it is just stupid and ridiculous and these arguments are childish they they have no substance and they're rooted in humanism they're rooted in trying to find a logical explanation to the text and it just it burns me every time I have to deal with it, and so I you know I every so often put it in my stories. Remember, folks, you follow a confessional Lutheran. If you don't want to deal with what I post, please unfollow me. I don't care. I don't care if I have two followers or ten thousand or a hundred thousand. I don't care, because quite truthfully, it's, to me, social media is dying in my eyes. I I have more excitement to read books and write books and do these podcasts. And, and, and if that was the only thing I have in my ministry left, by all means, praise God, because I don't care about social media. And, and on top of that, I don't use social media as a debating platform. If you want to debate me, come on my show. We'll debate. We'll chat. We'll have a good conversation. I don't care. You know, just as Luther and Zwingli uh, had a, you know, extensive debate over 15 doctrinal points that they had disagreements on, they found common ground on 14 of those 15 pieces, the one they couldn't find common ground on, or at least accept, you know, each other's position was on the Lord's Supper is means is that was Luther's position. Zwingli was is means represents and Christ is just being represented or spiritually present or he's just, a you know, the Lord's Supper is a remembrance. And so we've covered that extensively on the sacrament series as well. 
So as we examine these, it pays us well to assert the Lutheran position in any of this scripture, because if we, we assert that you've made one false claim, that's what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 18.22. If you make one false claim, you are a false teacher. Any person who goes out and makes a false prophecy is a false teacher. But that doesn't just mean prophecies equal false teacher. People who throw away or disregard the efficacious means of grace would be considered false teachers. If you deny what happens in the Lord's Supper and in baptism, you are denying scripture. And the Lutheran confessions assert that notion that this is a manner to which one should be excommunicated. In fact, Luther would, would kick people out of the church if they denied the works of Scripture because he would declare them to not be Christian. I, I just, I, you know, and I'm not trying to make a, this a, a badgering against my Reformed folk because I love a lot of you guys. And, and you guys are great friends and we have good conversations and I, I enjoy having friends with, with people I don't agree fully with. But there are some and, and, and I'll tell you what, there are some in the Lutheran circles too, so hear me out. There are some in both camps that are vicious and they are ignorant in the, in the manner and they would rather seek to sit and fight you over something than, than have an honest and open discussion. You know, I'll, I'll take Nick from Christ as a Cure. Nick and I uh, for, for years have known each other. And we were both Calvinist early on. And then when I started to splinter away, him and I had some really heavy discussions. And really, it became, it, it became evident that we, were, uh, we, we had some problems, if you would, within our friendship. And, and I'll be honest, Nick and I didn't speak for a long time because of our differences. And then uh, I believe it was two, two and a half years ago on like Thanksgiving that we, we reconciled. And, and I was like, man, this is so great. Praise God. And so now Nick and I just kind of laugh when, when, when these like little fighting Lutherans come into his chat and just start to like or into his, you know, uh, comment section and are just like flinging things. And I'm like, and I told him flat out, I said, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting that they, they just throw more insult than they do actually resort to something of scripture or in the confession that would give them a platform to argue from. And we just kind of chuckle at it because we both understand we don't agree on things and that's perfectly fine. And, and, and I have numerous friends like that. In fact, I work pretty close in town here with a Baptist and a Methodist preacher. And we, we run a community service a couple times a year. We, we host events together. We do a Bible school together or a vacation Bible school in the summer together. We do a lot of things, you know, jointly, but we do not agree on certain key aspects of doctrine. But that's, you know, that's the business here. Lutherans were the original reformers. And, you know, you can argue, well, John Huss started. Well, John Huss was kind of a precursor to Luther. And Luther was the one that took the fight to the Roman Catholic Church. Then from Luther, it splinters out and Zwingli and Calvin and, and those guys took the fight to Luther. And, and they, they, they like what Luther says. And I, and I get this is a kick out of me. The reformed or, or especially the, you know, the cage stage people, they like Luther, but they don't theologically agree with him. So it's like you use him when it's convenient to post a quote or to, you know, articulate an argument or something. But you reject everything else that Luther says, but yet you're still homies with him. It's like, ah, it doesn't quite make sense. That would be like me being a Lutheran and saying, 
yeah, I like this one quote from John Calvin, even though I don't fully agree with everything he teaches, but I'm going to use that one quote. Now, listen, you know, there are, there are certain things that Calvin said and John Knox said and, and that, you know, are right and true and perfect and great. And there are things that Luther said that I don't agree with. That is common. There are things that I don't agree with Luther on. And so it, it just, it's always entertaining to see how, how much though these people use Luther, but have no desire to actually agree or articulate. But again, you know, that's kind of the way this, this social media world works is they, you know, they use Luther as a kind of a prop to get people to like their post and to follow them. And, and yet they teach a doctrine that Luther never taught. And so we have, there has to be a line in the sand. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to, you know, stir arguments or, or pick fights with people, but there is a line in the sand drawn between the Lutheran confessions and the rest of the Protestant movement. And, and I've made that pretty clear on this show and in numerous shows that what the Lutherans believe is different than what the rest of Protestants believe. And that is just evident by how we handle scripture and by what we deal with in our confession. We have a different approach and a different view of scripture. We read it differently. We apply it differently. We acknowledge it differently. And I'm not saying that those in the other you know, Protestant circles do it wrong. I'm just saying we are different. And I think sometimes that really uh, kind of flusters people because they're not quite ready for us to you know, kind of separate from that. But we have to because as Lutherans, we should be articulating how Luther and uh, Melanchthon and, and, and all of the great Lutheran theologians from them uh, have asserted themselves and taught the confessions and taught scripture. Look, we, we would assert, and no Lutheran would uh, disagree with this, that the Bible is the full authority of, of the church. The Bible is God's word, breathed out by God and given to us as a manner to understand what God is trying to do to us. And not trying, but God is doing to us. But this is a book by which we do not, you know, look at it as a manner of commands, laws, or, you know, it's not a good moral compass to, you know, hold on to. But this is the word of God preached out through man throughout the history up until Christ and thereafter. And we that's how we assert it. We use the confessions as a manner to explain our viewpoints and understanding in reading the scripture. And if you read through the book of Conquer, there will always be verses notated. If you read through Luther's uh, large and small catechism, you'll find just a saturation of verses used as supporting measure to whatever he's talking about. And he's not cherry picking text. He's, he's going through and he's asserting this is what we believe because this verse here and these verses here and this verse over here it proclaims it. And that's what we get. And so the Lutheran church, you know, especially with like, uh, depending on which article you want to go to, if we go to baptism, if, if the person, and this was a big thing that the Lutheran confessors had to deal with, if they deal with the Anabaptists, for instance, those who reject infant baptism, the Lutherans would, would, would reject that notion. We, they don't consider that to be a proper handling of scripture. And in fact, this would equate those people to be excommunicated from the Lutheran church. And they, they, they held that line fairly strong. You know, it, it's would be hard to find a Lutheran that would reject infant baptism. 
because it's just not a part of our teaching curriculum. And so we embrace the infant baptism. We embrace baptism as the efficacious work of God. And we embrace baptism for what it does to us. It is Christ washing the church and renewing the church through regeneration of the people being baptized. That's how we acknowledge baptism. And so, you know, it's just a lot of ranting, but really this is a verse that we just, you know, can sit and spend all the time on. We could spend another 20 minutes talking on how these false teachers infiltrate the church and drive division between the body. And, and it's problematic, especially in the charismatic and Pentecostal circles, and it's problematic in the non-denominational churches. When there is no liturgical structure, when, there, when the church service is just boiled down to emotionalism and selfism and TED Talks, you have the perfect grounds for false teaching. Because, you know, Jesus goes on here and says, you will recognize them by their fruit. Well, their fruit is simply to bear the law down on people or to provide false prophecies or false teachings. And he goes on to say, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Pretty simple, straightforward. If you are a Christian, you will bear good fruit. But also we've dealt with how good works apply from the Lutheran perspective. We don't look to see our works as a moment of assurance. We don't, you know, extend our works that it is something that God needs. Luther's famous quote, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. So that is how the healthy tree is bearing good fruit by loving and helping their neighbor. The diseased tree bears bad fruit and they are, you know, obviously doing harm to the church or to other people's beliefs and faith. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So those who are healthy Christians cannot bear this bad of fruit. They can't do, you know, where it brings a doubt and uncertainty into the, you know, another believer's mind. But neither can the diseased tree bear good fruit and show love and compassion to their neighbor because God has given it to them. They are a rotten tree. They're diseased. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Plain and simple, the trees that do not bear good fruit cut down and thrown in the fire. And it's, you know, just a manner of how we understand the text. And just as there are two ways, the good and the bad, so there are two kinds of prophets, one who can identify false prophets by what they teach, especially by what they teach about a person in the mission of Jesus. Luther says this, you must hold on to the chief part, the summary of Christian teaching and accept nothing else, that God has sent and given Christ his son, and only through him does he forgive us all of our sins, justify, and save us. That is the, that is the, the epitome of the Christian faith right there. We hold to that because there's nothing else to hold to. We do not hold to this and then other things. It is Christ and Christ alone. And through Christ and through what he does to us in our baptism and the Lord's Supper, in the word preached, he forgives us of our sins, he justifies us, and he saves us. That is the Christian faith right there. If you disagree with that, then we have problems. And if you want to add to that, we can start to get into problems there too. When you start to add anything beyond that God has given his only son, that through him, those who believe will be saved. Anything beyond that, you start to add works and law, and it becomes very messy and very dirty. So, more of a ranting episode, uh, and like I said, it just kind of irks me how we, we 
people want to try and pick fights over a social media post and and then they go on to accuse me of being an idolater because I, you know, in their eyes, I'm holding the book of Concord higher than scripture when, you know, in my, you know, the, the book of Concord is merely an explaining of scripture. And this is how all the confessors would assert whether you're 1689 or Westminster or Heidenberg, you are going to, you know, look at your confession as an answer to the questions that scripture provide, gives. And so you will look at scripture and then turn to your confession and say, okay, based upon this, this is what we believe. And that's how Lutherans handle it. Based upon what scripture says, the confession gives us our what we believe notion. So a little bit longer of an episode, but uh, you know, it is one that bears weight to deal with false teachers and false prophets. They don't just come in and you know, shake the Joel Osteen leg, you know, and it's all about money and me, me, me. They can do so through subtle ways and subtle means, and they can do so through by just changing little things in Scripture to to draw in humanism and rationalism and philosophy and other paganism and all that kind of stuff. They just start to change little bits and little pieces of Scripture, and that leads the door to destruction. Paul gives us the notion that they should be anathematized if they do this. If they preach another gospel other than what uh, has been preached to you already, let them be anathematized. In fact, Paul goes even to say if angels come down and preach a different gospel, let them be condemned. Let them be damned. That is the that is how important the core doctrine of Christianity is to the teaching uh, in the church. It is ex- it is beyond important. It is it is the number one. It is the chief summary of the Christian faith that God sent his son and that who believes in him will not perish because through Christ, he forgives us all of our sins. He justifies us and he saves us. So if you made it this long, thank you <laughs> again. I'm not, I don't want to out, get out and pick fights with my reformed friends. I have a lot of you who are great, great, great friends of mine and I love you dearly. Uh, and I know a lot of you who you know, we've had good discussions in the past where we have just ultimately disagreed, and that is perfectly fine. And but there are some, and and I and I've mentioned this on both sides of this of the coin. There are some in the Lutheran camp. There's some in the Reform camp. There's some in the non-denominational Pentecostal, whatever circle you want to say, that all they want to do is pick fights and pick debates, and it's just exhausting. Don't do it on social media. You know. Uh, call up that person, text that person, figure out a way to have a full-fledged conversation. Just don't do it on social media because it's not fruitful fruitful for any person reading or watching. And it really what it boils down to in my eyes, it's just a bunch of children, you know, throwing little sticks at each other trying to hurt the other person. That's exactly what these amount to. And, and it's troubling because it's just something I've never been able to escape, whether it was in the Calvinist circle and I was the one going out and beaten down when I was in cage stage mode and, and, you know, justifying people's false doctrines and attacking them for it. Uh, and to even now where I just share my faith as a Lutheran and I get attacked because these people don't agree with me and they don't agree with the works that baptism gives. And, and what I'm seeing, especially coming out of it is baptism is a work that we do. It's a sign that we give back to God. And that is not in scripture. That is not ever displayed in scripture. And we've talked about that extensively on the show. So that'll be that. Uh, yeah, we'll see if this one uh, burns some bridges. I'm sure it might. But again, if you if you have questions, reach out to me. You know, let's talk. Let's let's dig into it. You know, but I but but note, I'm not budging. You know, I, I will listen. 
and I will articulate my position if you so choose. I have no problems with that. Of course, this one guy uh, accused me of not willing to um, be challenged in my faith. Oh, I've been challenged. I've been, I've been through the fire, buddy. I have been through the fire, and I have seen the destruction that it has done to me. I walked into seminary as a five-point, full, fire-breathing Calvinist, and I left uh, seminary as a full-fledged confessional Lutheran. I have been through the fire. I have had my faith challenged. I have been shredded to nothing and allowed it to be rebuilt in me. So I have been challenged. And I just hate that people try to do it on a comment section on my page. So... Anyways, that's just the more ranting. I hope you guys enjoyed the rant. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it helps you think a little bit about how we handle people online for one manner, but also how we deal with false teaching in the church. How can we recognize the false teachers? Are they preaching a different gospel than what scripture has? Or are they just preaching a different interpretation than what we have? That's always something to consider as well. So uh, before we let this go any longer, I'm going to cut her off and uh, we'll be back next week to I Never Knew You. And this will continue that theme of false teaching. And as uh, Jesus will cast these people into the pits of hell and uh, this will be essentially done on Judgment Day. So we will hopefully work through that and then we might just kind of tag on building your house on the rock uh, to finish out the Beatitudes next week. So. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you get to church on Sunday and partake in the sacraments and enjoy the blessings that God gives you. Until next week, God bless. See you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.